This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. We finally get to do a podcast after a, a home win, which is great. The Rockets took Game 5 here at the Toyota Center tonight, uh, 108-98, a huge win. They had to win. They're down 3-1 in the series, um, and it's their first home win of the series uh, I'm here with uh, M.K. Bauer. M.K., thank you, as always, for, for joining in. Thank you, Dave. And, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about here in this game. First, I thought the defense was something that was improved this game. Rockets hold LaMarcus Aldridge to 3 of 12 shooting, just 8 points. Uh, went scoreless the final 19 minutes of the game and had only 2 points in the second half. Yeah, it's an interesting um, thing to, to kind of hash over because I thought LaMarcus made a really interesting point after the game in that the shots didn't come his way because their guards were shooting so well, and the numbers kind of bear that out. I think by and large, Matthews and Lillard had really strong games shooting the basketball, particularly in the third quarter. Um, they both finished shooting 50%. They, they combined for 53 points. So there was a lot going right in terms of Portland's outside-inside game and, and really getting things going from that perspective. Uh, and I don't know how much credit to really give Omer Ashik defensively for the job he did on Aldridge. The numbers say that they did a good job. He was 3 for 12, 8 points, no scoring in the last 19 minutes. But to me, Aldridge almost looked a little bit like like Howard, I mean, uh, um, James Harden. Uh, he was somewhat disengaged offensively for, for long stretches of time. And they just didn't run the ball through him a lot. When he got the ball, he just passed it and kept it moving. A lot of the aggression he showed in the first two games here, um, it wasn't there tonight. And really, in all honesty, it's kind of waned through the course of this series. He hasn't been, been nearly as prolific for long stretches of time through the course of this series. And those things happen when you play the same team over and over and over again. I think you understand tendencies, guys getting the spots faster. Just the effort is overall better. And I think defensively, the Rockets just made a better effort overall, not just Omer Oshie, but just the way they handled a lot of things that Portland threw their way. You know, I think if you look at games one and two, you have to realize that those performances, as you know, were just not of this world. Yeah, I mean, they were just especially in game two when he, as you pointed out, first three quarters was 13 of 15 from mid-range, which is just crazy to me. I mean, like I've said before, you don't see guys shoot that well in warm-ups, and here's, you know, doing this in an NBA game. So I, that was obviously big, and to your point, what you were saying there, uh, Aldridge said the same thing. He said, you know, uh, they, the ball didn't come to me as much tonight. And he said it, he wasn't sure it was about how Dwight guarded me or anything like that. I do think Aldridge, I mean, excuse me, Ashik has been their best option on Aldridge the whole series. I think he's uh, done a pretty good job, you know, I think as well as you can do, yeah. given how well he has played. But I, I still thought tonight they did a good job. I mean, for them to hold him to eight points, I mean, that was a big key to this game. Ashik has definitely learned some things through the course of this series. It, it, it stuck out to me a couple times tonight how he did not come off his feet 
when Aldridge has the pump fakes and he had gotten Ashik in trouble earlier this season. He's drawing fouls and getting Ashik off of his feet, lunging it and going for, for shot blocks that weren't there on the perimeter. And I think Ashik has just kind of picked up some things over the course of the series and you would expect that from NBA players. So, so that's been a huge plus. I thought Howard had a couple good series defensively against LaMarcus and, and I wonder if that would carry on as the game seven where he blocked his shot twice on that one sequence with Portland had really made a, a, a big push late in the game and, and gotten back into contention and things were pretty tense at that stage and you know, Howard was pretty fired up after the blocks, and they needed that from him because at some point, both of those guys have been in foul trouble seemingly every game. So he's going to have to absorb the responsibility of defending LaMarcus Aldridge. And I thought tonight when he did in small stretches, he did a fantastic job. Yeah, the, the, the bulk of the responsibility has been on Omer Ashik, but I think those two guys working in concert was a huge plus for what the Rockets did defensively overall. And again, if you can make Portland somewhat lopsided offensively, they're not getting those points in the paint like they've been getting through the course of the season, they can be beat. So you, you think about it in the context of how the game was played, man, Nicholas Batum looked, looked pretty good tonight, and, and Wesley Matthews looked pretty good tonight, and so did Damian Lillard, and he lost by 10 points and didn't get to 100. So uh, something went right defensively for the Rockets, and I don't know how much you can hammer that home again for game six. Things are going to change through the course of each game, but it's a, it's a wonderful starting point for them to begin with as they get ready for preparation for that game. The Rockets started out really well. They played uh, strong in the first quarter. In the second quarter, they really busted this thing open. I believe they had a 17, 18-point lead at that point. Uh, and then they started to tail off in the, in the second. But it were, you know, staying on that defensive theme, what was interesting was the contrast in the third and fourth quarter. The Blazers shot uh, 55% in the third quarter, hit five of ten threes. West Matthews was going nuts. Um, and then in the fourth quarter, the Blazers were 6 of 20 from the field and did not hit a single three over four. So the, the fourth quarter, is, I think, is where that, you know, obviously where the Rockets uh, finally had pulled away. The, the Blazers got to within one a few different times there in the fourth, but uh, ultimately I think that the defense uh, played a huge part. Jeremy Lin, I wanted to, to talk about him, and I think before we... Why, why is that, Dave? <laughs> before we uh, really get into um, how well he played tonight, and he did play very, very well, um, you have to talk about, I think, really what we saw in Game 3, where he kind of made, I think, what most people will consider to be a boneheaded play, then kind of rescued the game uh, with with that uh, heads-up play stealing the ball, or I should say rescuing the ball and finding Daniels for that three. Uh, and then in Game 4, um, the turnover heard around the world, I guess, where you know the Rockets are up two, 34 seconds left, um, and Mo Williams steals it from behind, and ultimately the Blazers hit a three. Um, basically led to going to overtime. The Rockets had to make a basket to tie it, but uh, where they did lose in overtime. I look at Jeremy Lin, um, and I look at his numbers in the playoffs, uh, his his two-year body of work, uh, and I should say in his playoff numbers, coming into this game, 36.3% from the field, 2 uh, two of 12 uh, from three-point uh, for the series, 31.6% in his playoff career, 4 of 24 from three. It seemed like this was, had the Rockets lost this game, this would have been his final game as a Rocket, just my personal uh, two cents, given that the Rockets were probably looking at a guy that they, they could not trust. Um, but he had a huge game tonight, uh, coming off the bench, um, really broke down the defense, was 9 of 15 from the field, um, 2 of 5 from three-point range. I don't want to say he saved his Rocket career, um, but had a huge game 
with the Rockets' backs to the wall, and they really needed it. I think he saved his reputation here in Houston. It was interesting to me to, to read a lot of the reaction the past couple of days comparing him to Matt Schaub in terms of expectation and performance in certain situations. And that particular turnover would have gone down in infamy if the Rockets had lost the series, I think, even though that some of that was mitigated by the fact they got into overtime and there was a little bit lost in, in the shuffle of things. Um, he's such a confounding player because we've sat up in our seats all season and talked about how good he can be when he's an aggressive player and he's going to the rim and and those sort of things just kind of come and go with him I can't figure out why they wane I don't think that's always dependent upon the defense that's played against them I just think his confidence is an issue it, it, it comes and goes it, it vacillates so to have him play the way he played tonight to be assertive and aggressive early to get to the rim to do all the good Jeremy Lin things that we see that he can do and not turn the ball over and not be indecisive when he's when he's dribbling and and not have those moments where you're just like man this guy's a lost cause it was a huge plus for him personally and for the team individually because you got a lot of the same inconsistent play out of James Harden tonight who was just lost for long stretches of time Jeremy Lin carried them and, and they needed somebody in the backcourt to carry this team for, for, for a spell and he did that job tonight and, and, and hats off to him why he can't consistently be that player that's been a mystery since he's been here and really through the bulk of his career even when you look back at Linsanity that was a one month highlight you know by and large he was an inconsistent player with New York and I think the same thing has been troubling him here. I think I agree with you that ultimately both he and Ashik will be moved this offseason because the bang that you're getting for your buck is not great enough. And at this stage of his career, he just hasn't shown a lot of the well-rounded game you need for a guy in his position to, to be consistently trusted. We all kind of stood back in horror when he was even in the game late in Game 4 before the mistake even happened. I thought about it watching at home. You know, I talked to you, you said you had the same response. A lot of people on Twitter felt the same even before he turned the ball over. Well, why is that? Because he wasn't playing with confidence that night. So the key with Jeremy is just being confident. And that comes and goes. No one knows why. I don't think he can even tell you why. But tonight he played like a confident player. And if he does that again in game six, I'd like to rock his chances. You know, and I, and I tweeted about this, but there were some boos when Jeremy first came into the game tonight. Now, you didn't necessarily make that or hear that or make that connection. Uh, a few others I, I spoke with around there didn't as well. Um, it, several people mentioned they heard it on the broadcast. I could not tell if it was a reaction to a replay. Uh, Dwight Howard had, uh, I believe... Slapping the ball against um, Robin, Robin Lopez. Lopez. It, yeah, and it, it, but, but when I saw it, I thought... They were, there were just, and I'm not talking about the whole arena. I'm just talking about a small handful and a few. You know, you get a, you get a group booing. It's, it's pretty loud. I just want to tell people that, you know, a lot of people have said, hey, you know, that's just one turnover in the moment, and you know, look, what about Beverly's turnover in overtime? What about Harden's misses and all this? That's not a, a, a regular turnover. What happened in Game Four? That, that was a Ray Finkel moment, and, and fans are having their laces out reaction. Um, that that's that's a, a brain elapse there, and that's not something that you would think. To, hey, it was a simple moment where you just had to call timeout, and, and you're in a good position to win that game. But I will disagree on this. I, I thought out of all the things that happened in Game Four that were egregious, two of them stood out in my mind: the Lynn turnover and Harden passing up a wide open three late in the game on a pass from Troy Daniels with no one on him, and he looked at the basket and put the ball down on the floor and dribbled again. So, you know, In overtime? Yeah, or? I can't remember if it was in overtime or if it was in the fourth quarter. It may have been overtime, but at that point, I was literally stunned that he did not take that shot. So, you know, it's difficult for me to sit here and get too wrapped up in, in that Lynn turnover. It was a huge mistake. But to me, the Harden non-shot 
was as indicative of his performance this entire series as Lynn's turnover was of his inability to be a consistent ball handler. The, the, the frustrating thing with Lynn is that you never know how he's going to handle defensive pressure, how he's going to orchestrate the offense. It just again, it, it, it's it's a it's a roller coaster ride. Boils down to trust. And it's a trust issue, but I think within himself more so than anybody else. I think the other players on the scene want him to be a reliable off the bench. And he, when he has that tonight, it's easy to forget these moments where he doesn't come through. But the, the hard thing to me, and we're going to get into this, it's an issue. And, and the fact that they won this game tonight without him doing anything until the last 358 of the game was a huge plus for them. But it's an overwhelming concern because I don't know how they move forward win two more games if he's going to continue to be this kind of player. He has shot poorly the entire series. Tonight, he just did nothing for most of the game until he came on late. And and I thought it was interesting that, that Kevin McHale danced around my question on this in the post game about, you know, how do you guys handle this moving forward? And he said, oh, well, we had other guys who contributed and, you know, it's, it's a balanced team. You can't have your best player and all NBA guard take only 15 shots in this game. Wesley Matthews either got into his head or James has disengaged himself from the proceedings, and that's a huge issue as we get ready for Game 6 on Friday. Absolutely. I, I definitely want to dive into Harden, but before we do, I just want to say we're not trying to harp on the negative here with, with Jeremy. We have not had a podcast since uh, Game 2, and I think this is a big part of the story. Again, almost with Jeremy's redemption, kind of the smaller blender in Game 3, the bigger one in Game 4, and, and how he responded tonight. Absolutely terrific game. Uh, shot very efficiently. I thought in the first quarter he came in and... and four assists. Yes, four assists first quarter. It set up Oshik. Just a really good game from him. It's almost like he realized Portland doesn't have a, a, a bench that can really stop him, and he uh, he attacked the basket. I, I just want to read this Mikhail quote. He said, he played better. Jeremy has had some very good games for us. We needed him. He was able to break people down. They were trying to pressure him all over, and he broke the pressure down and got in the paint and hit a couple of floaters. Uh, so, again, great game for him and using that segue into earlier disappointments and now continuing disappointments here with Harden, um, I can't agree more with you in that he has just been atrocious in this series. 34.7% now from the field, uh, 25% three-point in the series. What is amazing, and you and I talked about this uh, right after the game, if Wes Matthews was guarding James Harden the way James Harden guards Wes Matthews, James Harden will be going for 40 or 50 a night here in this series. Uh, to me, Matthews is engaged and locked in on Harden, or they'll switch Batum on him, but he is constantly aware of where he is. And tonight, three or four different times, Harden was just lost. It might have been on a Batum, on a pick and roll, or it might have been Matthews um, just breaking free and Harden just completely losing him and hitting a, 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 a three out of the corner. Um, but that is a big part of why the Rockets are down 3-2 in this series, and that, that I think the primary reason they are is because Harden has struggled offensively, and Wes Matthews is playing very well. And I don't know how you solve it at this stage. We're five games in, and that's yeah. that's, that's the really concerning part. It's not like we're talking about this after game two. We're still talking about it after game five, and there was one play in particular defensively, to your point, where Harden helped out on, on, on Damian Lillard after Lillard only took two steps from the three-point line. You didn't need the help in that spot and gave up an open look to Matthews there. It, it just seems like his, his ability to focus defensively and maintain being in the right spot all the time. I mean, you're going to get beat on occasion. It happens to everybody in this league. Sometimes you, you hedge, you, you get out of position. He gets out of position almost every defensive position, it seems like. And don't let it be a scramble because he's completely lost. I don't understand how, at this point, 
He's still stepping into the paint when his guy is behind the three-point line. I don't understand how at this stage of the season, he closes so slowly on three-point shooters. And I just can't figure out why he, he can't muster the pride to play better defensively yeah, or even to, playoffs, take, exactly. to take the challenge that Wes Matthews has put forth against him. Wes Matthews is nowhere near the player that James Harden is, but Matthews has come out in this series ready for this fight. And it, it's startling to me that it's a stage that we're celebrating a one game that James had 30-plus points, and it took him 30-plus shots to get those 30-plus points. He has just not been a very good player at all. And, and I don't know how they move forward. It almost feels like... Like they won tonight because Aldridge was so bad for, for for Portland, not because of James being anything special for them. So they have to figure something out, and I don't know who's going to be in that locker room that's going to challenge James just to be a better player, to be more aggressive, more assertive, not so passive in the offense, not going to the rim at all. All these things that we've kind of been discussing, they still linger, and they're still pressing issues. I mean, he obviously hit a couple of big shots late. That's that was not, his that's... first three-pointer of the entire game. Yeah, exactly. I mean, think about that. Yeah, and... I, this is not to, to, I mean, he did hit the big shots, but he, as you pointed out, for 45 minutes, uh, he was not there. And I, and we were talking about this in the third, fourth quarters. He's almost become the liability out there. Not just, the, well, we talked about the defense, but like he's shooting so poorly. And there are times when the offense breaks down where you're looking at it and like, that's, that's not a smart shot, James. And I feel like, or I felt like watching him all year, that this is a guy with a high basketball IQ. There have been times where the offense breaks down in, in, in crunch time and it'll become iso ball. But I, th- I've always had trust in him to make the right decision. I think there's been times where the offense has looked terrible with him running it. Yeah, I was surprised tonight to look at the final numbers and realize they shot 47%. Um, they scored 108 points because I didn't think the offense looked very good at all tonight. 23 assists is a decent number. Harden had seven of those 23 assists, but I didn't think his facilitating was as good as it's been through the course of the second half of the season. I thought the Rockets, again, rely way too much on the post-ups, just, just completely neglecting the pick and roll. And that, that that's mind-blowing to me. And it has actually gotten to a point so it's pretty frustrating because I think it's an effective way to run an offense on occasion. But yet they got it done. So it's, it's a, and all honestly, I don't know about how, if you, how you felt about this. I thought this was the least entertaining game of the series thus yeah, far. Yeah. It, it wasn't really that exciting. I didn't think guys played very well. I think fatigue mentally has sort of kind of crept in to the proceedings a little bit. It's tough. When, when you're this evenly matched, it's not any one team rallying to steal the series. It's not another team, you know, imposing its will. I think you have two evenly matched teams. Yeah. And we've gotten to a point now through five games where they've kind of gotten tired of slugging on each other. They've been pushing and pulling through the course of the series. No team has really expanded to great leads and held on to it. It's been tough and tight. And you're starting to see guys wear down men a little bit. And I don't know if that was the issue tonight with the two best players in the series in Harden and in Aldridge. Maybe they're just a little bit mentally tired. They need a refresher. They need something to kind of perk them back up. But the Rockets weren't very good at all offensively tonight, and they better find some sort of magic to kind of get back to where they were. Yeah, Parsons missed a lot of chippies at the rim. That's that's a concern. But I just think the inability to have Harden become who he needs to be consistently is going to be something that's going to haunt him in Game 6. Um, you know, and as far as entertainment, obviously Lynn's game was, was very entertaining. Parsons had some nice fast-break slams, but it just it lacked probably the, the drama down at the last few minutes that we've seen in, in almost every game in this series. Um, before we talk... A little bit about what lies ahead. Pat Beverly um, had a fever, had a fever in game four, um, said after the game that he had a 28-hour hospital stay. He's heading back there tonight. 101-degree fever for the game, had to take IVs for fluids. Um, Speak a little bit about what you uh, saw from him coming out here playing 21 minutes tonight. He's a tough guy, and I think his heart and his his desire and his energy, and I hate using narrative terms and that's what those all those things are but he gives you everything he could possibly give you on the court 
I don't know how much inspiration the Rockets drew from that because I don't think they played with a great deal of passion. In fact, other than the Parsons, other than Howard and Spells, but you have to stand back in admiration for what, what Patrick Beverly gives you. Now, I find it kind of interesting that we're talking about the, the, the utmost professional sports leagues with the best access to doctors and trainers. You can't break this fever in, in, in 48 hours. That's that's a little bit odd to me. It's disconcerting that at this stage we're still talking about a fever for a critical component of your team. Um, they better figure something out between now and Friday because he can't keep lugging this ill feeling into every game. This will be three games if he's still not better on Friday. And at some point it's going to catch up to him. At some point it catches up to the rotation for the Rockets. And it's going to be a huge issue. Right now they found a way to kind of overcome it, even in losing game four. It was in overtime. They should have won that game. So think about that. They could be 2-0 with Patrick Beverly having a fever. That's a huge plus for them. But at some point it's going to undermine them. So I hope that he gets better. I hope that whatever the issue is, it must be something beyond just a general fever that has him feeling as bad as he's felt these last two games. But they got to get that rectified. they got to get it rectified now. Yeah. So going back to Portland. Game six, uh, Rockets have played them four times there this year. They've won half of them. The, both of the games here in the playoffs went to overtime. They were so obviously uh, they were uh, dead even at, at, in regulation. Can they take this game six? There is no home court advantage in this series. I think that's pretty clear. I think at any given point, each road team feels comfortable going into the other team <laughs> yeah. spot and feeling like they can take a game. So yeah, can they get game six? Absolutely. Um, can they find a way to, to keep defending Aldridge as well as they've defended him? tonight and the other spots with Ashik on the court? Sure. Can they find a way to suppress what, what Portland has done in spots um, from their offense on the bench? Absolutely. Um, I don't think Wesley Matthews is going to give you an 18-point quarter again in this series. That's a huge plus for the Rockets. The drawbacks are hard has been completely lost. Yeah. That's an issue. And it's just there's been no end in sight. The bench hasn't really given you very much other than tonight. Um, I think their, their over-reliance on Howard post-ups is odd. Um, they haven't really been that committed to it through the course of the season. season yeah. And all of a sudden, it's like the most important focal point that they've ever had offensively. That's strange to me. It, it's it's devolved as a series. It's a weird little pockets of play that are somewhat mystifying. So, yeah, I think the Rockets can win game six. They have to absolutely believe they can win game six because they should have won games three and four. Yeah. And they would have the same confidence going into game six, they should, that Portland had going into tonight, given the fact that Portland won games one and two. I thought Portland, interestingly, once they got to 17, there was no panic at all on their bench. Because you know why? We've won twice here already. So I think the Rockets can have that same attitude going into game six, knowing we won game three. If Jeremy Lin doesn't dribble the ball like a fifth grader, we win game four. And then you thinking about that, why can't we go in and win game six and get this game, this series back to here to use for game seven? So utmost confidence on their behalf. But in the same vein, Portland has won every fourth quarter of the series until tonight. Portland was down 17 points tonight, came back and got us a two. I don't think on any level they're frightened by what the Rockets can do. Yeah, I think they can. I mean, I, they're obviously, the odds are still against them, but uh, I think they they have as as good a chance as any series I think that I've ever seen them in, in trailing like this, uh, any, this franchise, I should say. But you touched on something. This is not an off-season podcast, but I do want to throw this out there. I think that there's a lot of valuable lessons. Not that they needed to learn this, but maybe just actually experiencing it they did. But it it always comes down to defense, post-up, you know, more half-court play uh, when it gets down to the playoffs. Kelvin Sampson touched on this, and he talked about it. He maybe drew a parallel to uh, baseball, as, as in good pitching will shut down good hitting. You get down to the postseason, you know, you, you're able to run three guys. And he talked about how Wes Matthews has shut down Harden in this series. 
I think that's what the Rockets will primarily focus on in the postseason is getting defenders in there, getting some help for Harden because he's getting locked in by your, you know, rotating defenders. You, at, whether it's a Carmelo or who or what have you, but you need another second score on this team. Um, and again, like I said, I don't want to get necessarily into the offseason, but I think those are some valuable lessons that the Rockets are probably learning in this series. Yeah, I think, but to counter that slightly, I don't know how much of this is, is based on Wesley Matthews' defense and, or Harden just not being engaged. I think Batum really gets some problems. And Batum, when he's engaged defensively, can be a fantastic player because those long, you know, go-go gadget arms. But I think Matthews' physicality is, is a baseline for defending Harden. But I think Harden is just taking himself out of some of this. I think Harden's inability to beat Matthews off the dribble is on Harden more so than it is on Matthews. And let's be realistic. A lot of the three-pointers that Harden is missing aren't contested. He's just missing. Yeah. So if he makes half of his misses that are open looks, we're viewing him in a completely different prism right now. So I don't want to I don't want to get too far ahead of myself in crediting Matthews' defense. I think he's been okay. He's been fine. He hasn't been otherworldly. I don't think we're talking about, you know, Michael Jordan is prime defensively right now. I think Harden has to get over whatever issues are, are, are eating at him right now with his shot and, and become a better shooter. And we I saw that in the first half tonight. Just missing wide open looks from behind the arc, not shooting with any level of confidence. His balance seems to be a little bit off. These are Harden issues, not Matthews issues, and even to an extent not Batum issues. So until he gets better shooting the ball in this series, I think everything else kind of goes out of the window. Yeah, they need to find an additional wing score, but we thought about that at the trading deadline, and they didn't solve that issue. They thought they had, but they did not. And a lockdown defender, I would say. They and, need a lockdown defender, a guy they can put on a wing, uh, somebody they, they feel comfortable throwing at it. Yeah, and I don't know who's out there that's available that's going to really impact them positively in that manner, but yeah, to your point, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. they got to find a way to win this series, <laughs> right? Right. And, and they're not going to find that lockdown defender in this series. they just got to be better offensively, I think. Thank you, MK, man. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, thank you guys for listening. Thanks.